Welcome to the Disney Points Podcast, where our goal is to help you take that dream Disney vacation without blowing through your savings. With ticket costs and hotel prices constantly on the rise, we want to show you what's possible when you introduce credit card points and miles to the Disney equation. I'm Kim Shearer, and you can find me on my blog, vacationpointers.com, or at my Instagram account, at vacation underscore pointers. And I'm Sam Holland, and you can find me on the web at almostfreetraveling.com, or on Instagram at Almost Free Traveling. And now, this is the Disney Points Podcast. We today are going to talk about some of the just basic rules to travel hacking. We just want to make sure that when you get started in this, if it's something you're interested in, that you don't get too far down the road and you've made mistakes that you just can't come back from. And Sam and I probably together have made plenty of mistakes in this whole process. Would you say that? <laughs> I think I've made more than you because you had a really good tutor and I just sort of stumbled into this and later found out how to restart. But right? yeah, no one does well, it perfectly is what we're trying to say, but we want to set you up for success. That is absolutely the case. Yes. But there's just a few things that we would love to share from our experience and yeah, just things that have made this go a little bit more smoothly and yeah, let's, let's prevent some of that for some of you out there. <laughs> Um, but first we just want to define, we say this word travel hacking, this phrase, and I don't know if anybody, if everybody knows what that means, Sam, do you want to, well, you know what, we'll just define it. We'll just define it the way that we define it. (laughs) That's right. I'll tell you what it is, but we'll just say what it is and what it isn't Mm -hmm. because I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what this whole points and miles, travel hacking, whatever you want to call it, what it is. And, um, we're going to clear some of those up. Let's do it. Let's do it. So first, Sam, go ahead. What is what are what are some of the ways that you would define travel hacking? So basically, we open credit cards and put our everyday spending on those cards in order to earn points and miles towards travel redemptions. So lodging and airfare. So basically, we're just leveraging our everyday spending. Yep in order to earn points and miles that allow us to travel more and for less. And this is all just sticking to rules that banks have made and using the system to our advantage. Basically we're not breaking any Mm -hmm. rules. We're not doing anything that's illegal or shady. It's all within the parameters that these banks have set up. And so there's just a lot of reward to be had for your spending that you do every day, groceries, gas, all that stuff. That's right. Yep. Well, so let's Um, talk about what it's not. Because you just said it's not work. The banks know that what you're doing. I mean, they have certain rules and we stick to them. It's not illegal. We're not going into debt. We're not carrying balances on our credit cards. We're not ruining our credit. We're not buying things we don't need. We're just opening up one card at a time and earning points and miles. Yeah, definitely. And I think some of those people automatically assume all the time that we must have so much debt. We must pay interest. We must have credit scores that have just been tanked, but really, I I don't know if this has been the same for you, Sam, but my credit score has gone up. Yeah. I don't know if mine's gone up or just, I mean, it hasn't gone down. Well, it was probably good to start with. Yes. Well, true. Yeah. Because we didn't start 
we didn't start doing this until we had purchased a house because there was a period of about five years where we were renting between purchases Mm -hmm. because of the market and everything. We weren't doing this until we got a house. And I do think that's maybe one thing we could, we should start with saying is, um, think, think that through before you start opening credit cards. Am I, am I within a window where I'm going to need to open a house? But if you're already in a house then, and you, so you have established credit and don't need to manage your credit polls and score as much as closely. Yeah. And that's maybe another thing we should talk about is who is this for? Who is this Mm -hmm. hobby for? Because I would say it's not for people who have credit card debt Mm -hmm. because once you start paying interest on debts that you're carrying over month to month, it really does make, it negates all of the value you're getting from these points. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really important thing to start with. If you have travel, if you have credit card debt and this is something you're interested in, I would just put all of your focus into getting that straightened out, get those debts paid off, get your credit into a good spot and then come revisit this. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Who else is this for? This is for People who are organized, I would say. I mean, that's definitely a, mm-hmm. a helpful trait to have. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of loose ends sometimes that you got to keep track of. But um, yeah, and for people who like a deal, <laughs> I love a deal. <laughs> I love a deal too. You, if you love deals, this might be for you. And oh I definitely don't want to. Just going back to what I said before, this it's not that you can't do this if you're a renter. I know lots of people oh, that yeah. rent and, and they earn points and miles for travel with credit cards. It's just when you start moving into a window where you're going to buy a house, you want to be really thoughtful and talk to your financial planner and yeah, mortgage I've seen people say people. like, don't open a new credit card like six months, right? six months before you're about to apply for a loan right? or anything like that. So yeah, still being smart. You're not just opening all these cards with reckless abandon there's there's some strategy to it absolutely so um so let's talk about some of the things that somebody new to this whole hobby would really need to know i would say the first one sam is the 524 rule would you say so i think that's 100 percent super important do you want to explain a little bit about what that is i think we've talked about it before but it might just be good to revisit it we might talk about it every episode. We might. Part of, this is like a wound from my past. I uh-huh. did not know about 524. When I was just Googling, how do I go to Disneyland for free? And someone said, you should open these, you know, 25 credit cards. <laughs> no, it wasn't that many. But it was someone saying, you should open these credit cards, and then you'll have all the points and miles you need. And they were right. But what they didn't mention was that there's a bank called Chase. It's a great mm-hmm. bank. Who we love. We love them. They open, they, they offer lots and lots of different credit cards for airlines and hotels or just generally to earn ultimate rewards. And they're very generous about how often you can open their cards and re-earn bonuses and mm-hmm. refer other people and get referral bonuses. So they're this great bank with lots of personal and business cards that they offer, but they have this one rule. And it's that once you open five personal credit cards across any bank in a two-year period, Chase won't let you open any more cards. 
Yeah. And this but, rule, you're not going to find it published anywhere. You're not going to find it in their fine print. You're not going to find it on their website. It is just an unspoken rule that people who have been doing this for a long time that's have right. just realized that they will not approve you for any of their cards if you have opened more than five, five or more cards from any bank in, in the a, last 24 months. Yeah. So it's really important to keep track of that. And we'll talk about ways to keep track of those kinds of things in a little bit. Yeah. And it's, it's doable to stay within 524 and have a strategy where you are consistently opening credit cards, earning points, traveling, using the points and miles and not putting yourself in a situation where you can't open chase cards, but it does take strategy. Right. Which is why it's good to think through some of these things before you jump in and apply for five cards. Because right there, you've probably filled up your five slots. <laughs> well, luckily, I had my husband and I were both opening cards. That's the that was our only saving grace is that yeah. we, we were so alternating. You were probably at like three twenty four, and some of them were chase cards. It just oh, it just go. wasn't ideal. It is not how I would do it if I were starting over. Right, but you know what? That's how you learn. That's how I just keep. I keep telling people that you learn this by doing it. And by doing it, you're going to just make some mistakes and that's okay. It is. But still important to talk about. So, okay. So 524, what are some ways that somebody could stay within 524, but still, because for us, Mm -hmm. for example, I have opened probably five cards alone just this year, but Mm -hmm. I'm still under 524. How could that be? How did you do that? How did I do that? Do you want me to say it? <laughs> do you want me to answer my own question? I think I know what you're going to say. And before you do it, I'm just going to throw out two categories that help you stay under 524. And I think it's having a player two and u- utilizing business cards. Yes. Those are both very good answers, Sam. It's like you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell us your story. How have you opened five cards this year? And yet I know for a fact that you're not 524. Yeah. So one of the things that you'll find as you dig a little deeper in this hobby is that business cards are a really important part of, if you want to like really earn a lot of points in a year, business cards are a huge part of that. And the reason they're a big part of that is because they don't count towards this 524 number. Chase does not take them into consideration when they're calculating that number, this imaginary number that they're keeping track somewhere. (laughs) Um, but not telling you. Yeah, the only business cards that Chase will take into account and factor into your 524 are business cards through TD Bank, uh, Capital One, and Discover. There's some amazing offers to be found on business cards, and some of them are Chase cards. But you also need to be under five under 524 to qualify for a Chase business card, so that's important to know too. Um, but yeah any business card from any bank will not count towards this number. So really that's how we've done it. Cause I've opened probably five just under my name and my husband maybe has opened that many as well. <laughs> I don't have Wow. Total. I should check, <laughs> but anyway, that's how we're doing it. That's incredible. Just, yeah. But it keeps the stash flowing without, you know, making the bank mad. Totally. And I, here's another part of my story and just my learning. I just opened my first business card this month. 
my first business card ever. And here's Can why. I ask which one it was? It was the Marriott Amex business card. I have that one. I well, the elevated bonus and just uh-huh. Marriott and Disney. Come on. So yep. it was kind of a no brainer. And I couldn't open the Chase five free night Bonvoy deal that was going earlier right. this year, or I would have. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. So instead, I'm getting 125,000 Marriott points from Amex and I'm not mad about it. So, but I think what I was going to point out is. Another thing I didn't know for a long time was there's a lot of different side incomes that qualify you for opening business cards. So mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, you don't have to own, you don't even have to have an LLC. You don't have to nope. have a thriving small business with employees and all these different standards. You can, you can drive an Uber. Yep. You can have a lemonade stand. Yes. I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I just made that up, but yeah, if it's making money, it's <laughs> right. Oh, a lot of people have side hustles these days. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a stat, you know, people just don't really have the traditional one job anymore. So any kind of a side hustle, I mean, for a long time, I worked in nonprofit, which didn't qualify me for business cards, but I rented our house out on Airbnb for years. And so I left a lot of money on the table, a lot of points and miles on the table because I didn't realize, oh, I could have been opening business cards so is uh, do you have an llc is that how does ross have an llc or how are you opening these business cards i don't because we um we both had like nonprofit jobs too for a little while and but we were opening business cards at the time so no neither of us had an llc neither of us even had a tax id number for any kind of business when we first opened our very first business card i think it was the southwest business card um my husband used his business as selling, reselling things on Amazon. Yeah. So he was selling, I don't even remember what he was selling. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. So he was selling something. And so it made him a little bit of extra income. And so that counted. And I think just, yeah, if people start to think about like any little, like you said, side hustle or anything that generates a little bit of income, it could be babysitting, it could be dog walking, it could be, for me, it was selling my kids' clothes on Facebook Marketplace mm-hmm. or Poshmark or Mercari, any of those mm-hmm. online reselling sites. All of that counts because it's generating income that's in addition to your paycheck. Mm-hmm. So the reason that's important is because, like we said, you can apply for these credit cards and you might not even know that you qualify. But like we're demonstrating or illustrating, there's you probably do and you just don't know it. Exactly. So. so we'll do probably another episode at some point where we'll drill down on this more and give mm-hmm. you some best practices, you know, how, how to fill out these applications and get really granular. But for now, we just want you to know that business cards are a strategy that you should try to incorporate. And if you can't uh, use the strategy that my husband have used for years before we got into our before I opened my first business card this month. And that is, we just went back and forth between the two of us Mm -hmm. opening personal cards, referring each other when there was a referral bonus. And that way we were never opening, uh, neither of us were ever opening a card within 90 days, which is kind of the rule of thumb. Don't, don't open a credit card on yourself individually more frequently than every 90 days. So by alternating 
we were never doing that. It takes us a couple months to hit most minimum spend. So we were kind of opening a card every two, every two months. Yeah, I'd open and, one, he'd open one. And I think that brings up one of our next points is that another really strategic way to earn a lot of points in this hobby is to use something that people like to call player two mode. Mm-hmm. And that just means that it's not just you opening cards. It could be your spouse, your significant other. Um, and you're earning basically double the points because you're able to open the same card under you know, each of you can open the same card because the bank views you as a separate individual from your spouse. doesn't matter that you're married. doesn't matter. You live in the house, same house. They view you as separate entities. Mm-hmm. So if I approve or if I qualify for a card, my husband can also qualify for the same card and earn that bonus as well. So you're talking double points then. That's also, right. And like you said, you're spreading them out. So it's not like you're the same one opening all the cards all year and filling up your 524 and yeah, running out of cards to qualify for. Right. Yes. That's kind of fun to strategize and plan, isn't it? It is. What are we well, going to do next? I just think this whole thing is a fun game. <laughs> it is so fun. <laughs> it is a fun game. It's a fun hobby with a lot of side benefits. Yes, for sure. And then one of the other parts of the whole player two mode thing is referral bonuses. That's right. And so what's great about this is that if you have a card, most often you can refer that card to your spouse or significant other and get bonus points for referring them because the bank wants to give you points for referring a new customer. And even though they're married to you or live in the same house as you, they are still a new customer to them. So you can see how you can earn a lot of points throughout the year. So if I want, if I have the, a card and I want my husband to get the same card, get the same bonus, I can also get points for referring him. It's a great deal. Totally. Do you guys do this? You do do this. You said that. Yeah. I mean, it varies by bank. And this is another reason Chase is awesome because I feel like they have the most generous referral program. Uh Most of their cards, you can refer friends and family and get a referral bonus. So that's another reason to prioritize Chase. And then beyond those banks, it varies a little bit. You know, I know Amex does referrals. They cap it, but you can get a few, you can get some points. Yeah. Personal referrals. They might all cap like in a calendar year, how many points you can get for referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a good, an important rule to keep in mind is Capital One has some funny rules about referrals. They, if you refer somebody, you will only get referral points if that person has never had a Capital One credit card before. True. So that's, yeah, that's kind of an important one. Um, but really, like you said, Chase and Amex are pretty generous. I'm assuming City does too. We don't have any City cards. City does not. Oh, they don't. That is a drawback to City. And I don't know if they don't ever, but they don't right now. Yeah. So, well, that's why we love Chase. Can't believe you don't have any city cards. I know. Do you know I I applied last year and got denied? Um, Darren applied for the city premiere this summer and got denied. So yeah, I don't know why they don't like me. And Ross did too, and he also got turned down. So we might try again. It might have just been how many cards we had opened that year. Yeah, but it's another episode. Another episode. So, um, another important thing to keep in mind is 
staying organized. We talked about how if you're an organized person, you were pro- probably made for this. But if you're not, there are apps out there that can help you. And some of our favorites, uh, let's start with Travel Freely. It's my favorite. I don't know yeah. about you, but it's great. I don't have it yet, but... Come on, Sam. I know. I heard that it'll actually tell you, recommend cards to open next. It does. It does so many things that are like really helpful. It just reminds you when your um, your annual fees are coming due. It'll suggest how to get a retention offer, which is really just you know calling the bank and saying, I'm considering closing my card. Can you offer me anything to keep it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll offer you more points if you spend a little bit more on the card or they'll reduce your annual fee or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it'll um, offer suggestions for that. It'll keep track of your 524 status, which is, you know, we just talked about that. It's like maybe the most important um, factor to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What am I forgetting? It's just great. Oh, and like you said, it'll re- it'll suggest next cards to apply for. And it bases it on the cards you already have. So That's incredible. Yeah. So it won't suggest a card you already have. It won't suggest a card that you wouldn't qualify for because you have you know, another card that's similar or things like that. So I love it. it takes yeah, I've heard great things. Away some of those, you know, organizational things that are hard to keep track of. But you said that you keep track of things in an Excel file, right? <laughs> I want to hear that. I'm just realizing how old school I am. Yes, we have a spreadsheet and my husband and I share it, you know, in the drive and the Google drive and we just keep track of everything there. My husband, so I created it, but then he maximized it and added all these columns and he kind of manages it at this point. We have this interesting dynamic where I really spearheaded getting us into points and miles. He was reluctant, but now he's on board. And because he does the budget and pays the bills and uses mint for all of our expenses, he runs that he runs the spreadsheet and everything. But I'm out there looking for cards. Yeah. Suggesting what to open. So, well, it seems to be working. (laughs) Yeah. He's the one, you know, keeping track of the different granular type little offers on each card. Like, oh, when I need to go to Panera and spend $10 this month on our Hilton Amex or something. Okay. Okay. See, that's good. You need that person. Yeah. That's good. Um, what are some of the other tools that you like to use? Do you have any others? No, but I know you do. I want to hear about YNAB. Yes, I like to use a budgeting tool. And the one that we use is called YNAB, or that stands for You Need a Budget. Um, for budgeting nerds, it's a really great uh, <laughs> app, uh, tool. You can use it online. You can use it on your phone. Um, but it's kind of like the whole envelope system. If you're like done the Dave Ramsey financial peace course, like Mm kind of keeps track of everything that way. Um, But it's all online. It's all electronic. So you're not actually like, like you're not carrying around cash in your wallet the way Dave Ramsey would want you to. Um, But everything has a, every dollar has a job. So I like that. The reason why it helps me with this points and miles hobby is because it kind of aggregates all of your accounts. So even if I have 15 credit cards, I can view them all in the same place. And I'm just assigning every transaction to the right category. Um, And it just helps me see it all in one spot instead of having to log into every bank 
separately. So I love it. I don't know how I would do this without it, actually. Yeah, that's genius. I mean, I've had friends who didn't get into points and miles because they know themselves so well. They yeah. just they they just say, I'm not organized. And I really respect that they are not jumping in because they just know this wouldn't go well. I would, you know, I wouldn't hit my spends or I would carry a balance or I would, you know, yeah. pay annual fees for cards that weren't earning me anything worth an annual fee. Yeah. And that's, we say, I mean, we both say this all the time. It's like, it's not for everybody, Mm -hmm. but man, if you, if you can make this work for you, the rewards are really great. So Mm -hmm. for Um, sure. But yeah, let's see what else. One other app I would suggest is the card pointers app. I know you said you don't use it, but what the reason I like it is that a lot of people will ask me sometimes, like, how do you know which card to use? Like if you're at the gas station, how do you know which card to use? Or if you're at the grocery store, how do you know which card to use? Um, what the card pointers app does is you put in the credit cards that you have and you can go to the, um, the pointers section on the app and it will tell you if you're at a grocery store, use this card. If you're at a home improvement store, use this card. Like it has all of those categories broken down. Wow. The guesswork is all taken away. Or you could put stickers on your cards. I've seen people do that too. There's, yeah. There's lots I've of ways seen- to keep track. You can buy those stickers on Etsy. We So we use digital wallets. I don't know if you do. Well, I sometimes. would say this is another tool that we use, and I'll tell you why. So before we got into points and miles, we would have a credit card and add the other person, the other spouse as an authorized user mm-hmm. on that card. Once we started playing this game we and found eventually found out about 524 the other thing we found out is that being an authorized user on a credit card actually takes up a spot in your 524 yes it does and at the same time we were getting into digital wallets on our smartphones and this really solved this problem for us because now for instance when i got our marriott amex business card this month Mm -hmm. um Actually, Amex immediately gave me the card number and I started using it right away. I do like that about Amex. Mm-hmm. I do too. That was very convenient. And so yeah. then I had my husband enter it into his wallet. I had my daughter enter it into her wallet. I had my son enter it into his wallet. So now the day I opened that card, four mem- family members all have access to it to put all, all of their spending on that card. So I do love that. Yeah. Technology is great. I know. We love it. That way you're not passing a card around. I forgot the card. Yes. Exactly. It's so, I mean, and I'm finding that most places accept digital wallets now. Like you can tap your phone or you can tap Mm -hmm. your smartwatch. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I love that because that's, I didn't realize that was one of the mistakes we made early on was adding authorized users as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And now there's, you're not, you're avoiding that whole, cause you can sometimes call a bank and call and ask for, um, not a retention offer. What's the word I'm looking for? The, <laughs> Sam, help me. To remove an authorized user. No, but what do you call the, um, like if you get denied. Oh, reconsideration. Thank you. All <laughs> right. Start over. Okay. So you can call a bank for a reconsideration if you get denied for a credit card you can call if you know that the reason is because 
you're an authorized user on your spouse's card and they're calculating that into your FAF24, you can call and say, hey, could you not consider that card in my application? And sometimes they'll do that, but that's just another phone call you have to make. It's just a pain. So if you can avoid all that True. and just do the digital wallet and meet the minimum spend that way, I mean, I like that. I prefer that. Yeah. I mean, I've also heard you can call and take yourself off as an authorized user and th- and then yes, qualify for the card that way. Yeah. But again, I don't like talking on the phone. <laughs> I don't really either. I, I love all of anyone who I can chat yes. on an app. I'm yep. very happy about that. Me too. Um, so Kim, I want to hear when your next trip to Disney is. Do you have something planned? What is it? I wish I could say I had it booked right now, Sam, but it's in my head. I have these Marriott points just burning a hole in my pocket. Ooh. And I would really love to go to, I'm, there's, the problem is there's just too many places to go. I know. Isn't that crazy? I never mm-hmm. thought I'd have that problem, but I am thinking right now we have universal season passes, mm-hmm. so I'd like to use them again before the year's over. And then I'm thinking Disney spring 23. Nice. That's the goal. I really want to go when Tron is open. I know. When you say Disney, you kind of default Disney World, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've been to Disneyland. But yeah, when I say Disney, I'm usually thinking Disney World. But you're probably thinking Disneyland. Yeah, Disneyland is kind of our default. Although the last time we went was Disney World. And our next trip is Disneyland Paris next month. Oh, you're so lucky. And then we might hit Disney. So we have Disney World booked for Thanksgiving, but I'm just unsure about the whole Tron situation because it's looking like it probably won't be open by Thanksgiving. And we're just wondering, should we put our trip off until Tron is open? But then also we have a high school senior and so we're sort of yellow. We we just need to do Uh these things now. So it's complex. I know it's tough. There's a lot of really good options. Yeah. But yeah, when is that supposed to open? Are they they predict- Well, I think they're going to maybe announce it at D23, which I think is in the next couple weeks. Okay. But, you know, right now it's just, oh, we saw people riding it. Oh, we they were illuminating the Tron I see that shell or whatever it is. But um well, that's what I'm hoping spring would be a safe yeah. bet. Yeah. Cuz we haven't been there since fall of 2020. Mhm. So, yeah, there's a few new things that we haven't been on yet because they've got the Marvel ride now. And then I haven't been on Ratatouille. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. Um, That'll be fun. Yeah. So we're due. It's time. <laughs> you are. Yeah, it is. Well, the Universal Passes, those are awesome. And we are going to try to do one day Universal if we do end up going for Thanksgiving because it's the best. It is. Have you been? Yeah, we went one day with our kids spring break of 2020 okay 2021 and um we all loved it so much we did animal kingdom one day and universal one day and both were a blast good choices yeah very fun well we can do all these things with points can't we that's right yeah amazing yeah so stay tuned for our next episode surprise what it'll be we don't even know (laughs) (laughs) 
Kim and I love bringing you Disney content every week. Thanks for showing your support by using the credit card affiliate links in the show notes. It costs you nothing and means everything to us. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode of the Disney Points Podcast, where we'll unpack another way to save on your next Disney vacation. See you real soon. Thank you.